Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Shalom, friends. This is Scott Holtz with Rivers in the Desert. We're greeting you from Israel this beautiful February 1st, 2009. Actually, it's a Super Bowl Sunday for those in Canada and America. And uh, I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's just an awesome time to be alive. Some people out there look at a, a glass that only has 50% of water in it and says, oh, it's half empty. Those of us that read the scriptures and read the end of the book and realize we win, hallelujah, say the glass is half full. I want to pull you out of that pessimistic attitude. I want you to pull you out of the group, that surroundings, your environment, the culture, your thinking process, the ethnos that drives you, and bring you back to the simple basics of glorifying him. Glory to God. So I'll have a short teaching after this update. Um, I want to say that we... There is no ceasefire. It's uh, it's pretty funny to see how the media, controlled by the prince of the power of the air, howls bloody murder when Israel shoots and destroys a Hamas terrorist or Islamic Jihad terrorist uh, that use defenseless citizens as shields. Uh, and yet when the Hamas decides to shoot another uh, Iranian prototype, Chinese um, copied silkworm missile at one of our ships uh, 30 kilometers off the shoreline or sends more Qassams they did this morning. Uh, actually, one of them landed between uh, two kindergartens in the, in the western Negev. Uh, we don't hear the, the news media going um, screaming bloody murder. And brothers and sisters, that is the nature of the beast. We are dealing with the prince of the power of the air. We're dealing with a media that is controlled by the devil, that is controlled by the Antichrist system, that is congealing together to be a voice against God's anointed. And he who sits in the heavens laughs. The book of Psalms says, what's happening in Israel? Well, basically, <clears throat> the troops were sent home. We, uh commander of my unit invited me over to his place and had a chance to sit down with him. And they're all very happy. They're able to go in and complete their mission come out with no casualties. and um, But even as we were talking, uh, reports started coming in of renewed rocket fire by Hamas and Islamic Jihad in, in Gaza upon the innocent civilians in the western Negev, Ashkelon region. And again, um, as the barbecue was concluding, again, we're ramping up to go back to the front lines and take care of business. Uh, this is not just a unit that provides uh, engineering support or bomb detection or a, a canine unit or part of the Air Force or Navy or even Navy SEALs. These are the warriors. This is the tip of the spear. They don't even uh, talk of themselves as being soldiers. They're fighters. That's the name of the unit. They're fighters. And uh, a lot of young men, very brave, uh, very orderly in their training, 
and they're tremendously thankful for you guys out there, Rivers and Desert, helping build out their new weight training exercise room and the other things that we're doing for them. They, they again, send their appreciation to you guys. Let's move right into the, the topics for today. Um, as I mentioned last time, there is no ceasefire. Uh, there's just a rearming of Hamas. Um, currently, there is a Iranian ship full of weapons that's being uh, held in international waters off Cyprus. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get in on board that ship and take control of the weapons in its cargo bay. Uh, be interesting to see what we do here next with that. However, as the U.S. tries to put a, uh, a different face on its uh, State Department, and President Obama is reaching out to terrorist leaders and terrorist nations in the Islamic world right now. Again, brothers and sisters, we're in the time of the last days. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's earthquakes. There's all kinds of wild stuff happening all over the earth right now. There is a darkness descending. There's a fear of another depression coming financially. And at the same time, we have this face of Islamic jihad uh, getting off the canvas and coming back up. And brothers and sisters, we are in these last days, and it's not the time to give up. The biggest thing I see happening, the biggest uh, strategic move the enemy has done against these saints is to wear them down. Uh, moral failings like never before. People throwing in the towel no longer want to worship God and give thanks to him. And that's to their own detriment. I'll get back to that in just a moment. Um, but what I want to talk to you about right now is what's happening in Israel. I need, we all need to pray and intercede. Uh, God is sovereign. He sets kings up according to his sovereignty. And right now, uh, we're in a situation just a week out from the elections here in Israel. And for the most part, it looks like Bibi Netanyahu will lead uh, a majority into the Knesset. Uh, hopefully, Bibi will not uh, become <laughs> pandering to the wants of, of the nations around us, but will be true to his platform for security to uh, Jerusalem HaShlamah, the greater Jerusalem, uh, the idea of we cannot turn back to the weakness that the current Kadima government has been displaying on all sides. Be praying for these elections. Uh, but for the most part, brothers and sisters, uh, there's not a lot, a lot of hope politically in Israel among the people on the street. I love to get out among the people and talk to them. And uh, we instantly strike up conversations, me being an American, coming over here and bringing my whole family over, uh, there's why, why are you coming here? And, and they're saying why out of disbelief because they know that the next war, this Gog-Magog type conflict is going to be a war of ICBMs or short-range missiles, not army pitched against and on their armored division, but rather um, a, a terror of missiles. And this is what I saw the first month I was here. I was in Ulpan classes with Jewish people from around the world. Some of you uh, may remember that. We have a lot of new subscribers, so let me just explain the situation. I'm in a Ulpan Hebrew class with all these other immigrants from around the world, and uh, suddenly we're, we all began to sing spontaneously as we're learning some Israeli folk songs. Hene um, Matov, behold how good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And as we began to sing this over and over, and we're singing the scriptures. I could just feel the presence of God come in. And I began to get caught up in the spirit and recognize to perceive how God has brought the Jewish people in from all the nations of the world. 
and gathered us here, either through the fishermen or the hunters. And we're here in our land, in the land of promise. Here we are, immigrants coming in, and we're singing the song. I could feel the glory of God. And suddenly, out of nowhere, I have a vision as I'm feeling this state of, of love and unity and purpose and destiny as we're singing Psalms 133 together. I have this vision of missiles dropping on Israel, just hundreds of missiles dropping and exploding, most of them exploding in open fields. And I was totally stunned as the vision ended. And I know what the interpretation is as God continues to bring people here. See, brothers and sisters, there's three R's to Israel's restoration listed by the prophet, by the Holy Spirit in the book of Ezekiel. The first is the return back to the land. Second is a restoration of the land. And then third is the redemption of the people. So there's a return, there's a restoration, and there's a redemption. So that's the progress we see happening here the last 60 to 80 years. We see Jewish people from around the world returning back to this land. Uh, Second, we see a restoration of this land. It's just amazing uh, how much progress uh, and industrialization and, and modernness there's a lot more to go, but it's happened the last 60 years, infrastructure-wise, uh, farming-wise, agricultural-wise, in this land. And then we're at the verge now of a restor- a, excuse me, a redemption of the people, life from the dead. And that's what we're mobilizing for, brothers and sisters. And we see the signs of the times. We know what's going to happen very soon. At the present moment, there is a remnant that's believing. And it's it's very heartening to uh, to be here and to see all these this apocalyptic grand finale building, and what I am hearing and as I talk to these Israelis that they're just saying, hey, listen, there's coming a Gog Magog war. They know without a doubt, and their ethnos is driving them this direction. Ethnos is what makes up a character of a people. Um, I hope this is you know accurate in terms of how you can understand what I'm saying, but I really believe the ethnos of America and society, North America, including Canada, uh, maybe even parts of the Caribbean, is there is this underdog uh, excitement, meaning um, somebody who, a Cinderella story, somebody who has nothing that comes over and makes something, and, you know, the idea of from rich, rags to riches, uh, the Cinderella type story, uh, we see that with Kurt Warner now coming back literally from <laughs> from the black hole of NFL football, almost retirement, and being shipwrecked and coming back and leading his team to the Super Bowl and having a bold Christian witness about it. It's awesome. And Americans love that Cinderella-type story. Um, but the ethnos here in Israel is true, but it's everybody has a Cinderella story. Everybody has come either out of the Holocaust or Arab-persecuted land as a Jewish person has come and, and tried to survive here. Everybody uh, has quite a, a story in their family to say, so that's not the real ethnos of Israeli society. I really believe the ethnos of Israeli society is, number one, what is drilled into the young people while they're students is to compete and to achieve to get into the best army unit possible. It really drives them, their parents really encourage that for these young people to do their best to get into the best unit possible in the army. It has a lot to do with their character um, of survivability. We see there's the idea of a sabra attitude. Um, sabra is a cactus here that has very sweet fruit on the inside, but on the outside it's very tough skin and prickly. 
So that's what they say Israelis are. They're tough skin on the outside and prickly and, and obnoxious and tough and, and hard to kill and hard to put under, so to speak. But inside, when you get to know them, they're very delicious and very sweet people. And that is been pretty much the ethnos of the Israeli society. But something new is entering in. It's not just the military now being in the best unit, which identifies who you are. It's another trait now, which is survivability in terms of economics or sports. So you see guys that come out of the army that develop software and go worldwide and, and make their hundreds of millions on it are really seem to be the champions, people that survived and took a, uh, advantage of the tools given to them and, and exceeded. And this third area is sports. I'm seeing here that it's not just uh, being in a great army unit, uh, it's not just being uh, economically, entrepreneurship, um, championing the system, but it's sports. And the sports I see that's very, very popular here is sports of going outside into nature, uh, hiking, camping, especially bicycling. But the real key sport I see is triathlon, extreme sports, okay? This idea of survivability. I championed an Ironman race. I did this. And so, brothers and sisters, what we want to do is is conform ourselves, not to this world system, but become as a Jew to win the Jews, become as a Gentile to win the Gentiles. And, and in reaching the Jewish people here, we want to identify with their ethnos of uh, high, high tactical army units, uh, the idea of being able, being entrepreneur, hallelujah, and not just uh, taking what's given to you, but taking the best and making it even better. And then third is extreme sports or adventure. Hallelujah. And this plays into that people group that are here. And it's very exciting to see this culture here just wanting to champion this. And they know a war is coming. They know, you know, the idea was when the, the war started in Gaza, when the Israeli guy told me, he says, you know, I guess the whole world's going to hate us again. And sure enough, you know, the Israelis are, are prepared for world hatred, are prepared for anti-Semitism. And in the spite of it, they're going to continue living. They're going to continue to survive. This is our country. We're going to continue to push forward. Um, but the problem is, is the leaders, the leadership, um, whether it be spiritual, rabbinical, or the churches, or the political leadership, really uh, is continues to drop the ball and... Um, Again, brothers and sisters, that's the nature of where we live right here. We live on this land bridge that connects Asia, Africa, and Europe, and we're right caught up in this cauldron. And without a doubt, we see a one-world system rising up. We see Jacob's troubles. We see Gog and Magog, some type of Ezekiel war breaking out in this region. And without a doubt, the Israelis know what's going to happen. Um, there's certain sentiment now is like, hey, we went into Gaza, um, but why don't we get Gilad out, the prisoner of war? Why don't we finish off the leaders of Hamas? Why don't we only go in halfway and stop? It's like building a road and never driving on it. It's like building a house, never living in it. And so most of the populace is ready for a change. They want to take care of the situation. And uh, again, you guys continue to pray into that. So that's a little bit of the update. Um, as I'm sitting here speaking, there's more Qassams are falling in the south. And I know something's going on, even without watching the news, because I can, when I hear the F-16s, F-15s roar over my house, uh, 
as they're getting altitude and, and taking off out into the ocean to come back around into Gaza, you know that they're targeting some rocket squads or some something going on in the Gaza Strip. So usually a few months later, I'll just look on online or on my mobile device, and sure enough, uh, there's something going on. So, brothers and sisters, where there is no real ceasefire, it's a make-believe, it's a, it's a smoke-and-mirrors game, and um, we are continually in war. Okay, so those are the quick updates of what's happening here. Thank you for praying. Uh, I know you guys have been praying concerning the rain situation. We got uh, pounded for a few minutes by a huge thunderstorm, and it was it was pretty impressive lightning and thunder show last night. I hear the north, it rained for a long time last night. But again, folks, we need months of rain like this to bring the Canaret and the water table back to the normal. So continue to pray, continue to believe God, hallelujah, for him to pour out rain the same way Elijah prayed and it rained again. Now, I want to share something with you for your personal quiet time, for your, your personal uh, servicing of your faith. I'm getting back a lot of reports. People are loving these podcasts and just uh, really getting fed by him. And this is what God's really been speaking to me. Uh, is out of Romans chapter 1. It says in Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul, a bondservant of the Messiah, Jesus called and as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we see the promise of the good news is in the 8th and 7th century prophets of the Bible. Hallelujah. It's very exciting. And it says, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. So Paul begins to talk about the place of the gospel in this apostolic order. And in verse 11, he longs to see the people that he may impart some type of spiritual gift to them that they may be established. Hallelujah. And verse 14 of Romans chapter 1, I'm under obligation both for the Greeks and the barbarians, both for the wise and the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also those who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, let's just categorize what's happening here. Why is Paul eager to preach the gospel in Rome? Because he's knows he's going to Rome to be killed. He knows he's appealed to Caesar. He's in a situation where he's going to spend the rest of his life in imprisonment, um, and he is going to be martyred for his faith, and he's eager to do that. This self-sacrifice, this selflessness is quite contrasted to what we see building today. As I mentioned before, there's a dome of darkness I've seen come upon the earth since the Feast of Trumpets in 2008 of September. This is a divine darkness that has come to cause men to fear God and give him thanks once again. All types of things are happening worldwide as we see the results of this dome of darkness that God has sent upon our planet. And many people are eager to self-preservation. Many people are, you know, it's what got, it's really kind of triggered my my hearing this week is how much people talk about themselves. You know, I try to explain something to somebody, and right now they start talking about themselves. People are so much 
self-centered right now. They're so selfish. They're so, you know, in love with themselves. They're so, everything revolves around them. They're legends in their own mind. They're just talking about themselves. And there's this lack of service. Well, they are servicing something that's really because they want to get God's attention or get something from God. They're not doing it uh, to give with their right hand and the left hand not know what's going on. So, brothers and sisters, we need to move out of this selfish lovers of self of the last day, not be sunbathing in this atmosphere, okay, of being selfish, okay, but we need to sunbathe, S-O-N, under his rays of selflessness, hallelujah, and to be eager to preach even if it means to cost us our lives. And he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. And um, I've just made it an issue not to associate with believers that are in a confusion identity crisis or have decided to um, bless Israel but not preach who Jesus is to them, okay? They, they, it's, it's, it's like the greatest form of anti-Semitism is to love Jewish people and help them but never tell them who their Messiah is. Okay, what, well, just through some secret osmosis they're going to get saved? They need a preacher, Romans says, okay? And so Paul is eager and he's not ashamed of going up with a message that's going to cost him his life. So we need to be eager, hallelujah, when we look to him and see the resurrection of the dead from holiness, when we have this hope of eternity because the spirit of holiness, okay, glory to God, that we're going to come into a place that we're eager to proclaim the gospel, we're eager to help people out, and we are eager, glory to God, to go and not be ashamed of this message to everyone who believes. Why? Because in it the righteous God is revealed from faith to faith, the righteous shall live by faith, verse 17. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Right now, brothers, we are seeing the cup of God's wrath being filled up. We are seeing the shakings among the nations. We are in a prelude to a mighty shaking that's happening in the tribulation period. Verse 19 of Romans says, Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Let's just shoot this sacred cow that the unbelievers are darkened and without God have no idea what's going on. That, that's not what Paul says here. Paul is saying that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against people who, who know God. You say, well, how can people know God unless they're born again? Well, it says in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes. Now let's back up. Um, the last couple of teachings ago on PDF, we talked, uh, excuse me, podcast, we talked about Romans chapter 8. Now, it was, excuse me, um, Proverbs chapter 8. Now, what we see happening in Proverbs is Solomon, the first nine chapters is not even the Proverbs of Solomon yet. It's an introduction of wisdom, okay, and the fear of God being portrayed as a wise woman in the market square calling out for the young men to fear God, okay? Calling out to the naive. And then there's the adulterous woman, okay, whose descendants are in the depths of hell. And there's a, a there's this play between these two types of wisdom, okay? But we see in Proverbs 8 as the fear of the Lord is portrayed by wisdom as the hate, evil, pride, arrogancy, and the forward mouth. And that God rewards those who seek him early with wealth and riches and honor. Hallelujah. Suddenly, we see the book of Proverbs chapter 8 open up into a portal of the pre-Genesis account. 
before the world began, and Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before the world began, glory to God, frolic and played together, hallelujah, and laughed in joy in this place of intimacy as they decided to create the world. And we see that here in Romans, again, Paul directs us back to this momentous event. Okay, it says in verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes. You say, what does God look like? What is God like? How does he act? Well, a lot of that is a mystery, but we do have a fingerprint. We do have an example of who his attributes are. Hallelujah. And it says here, his eternal power and his divine nature. Hallelujah. You want to know how big God is? You want to know how powerful he is? You want to know his nature? Glory to God. It's clearly seen being understood by what has been made without, so they're without excuse. There is not a human on earth that's without excuse right now, brothers and sisters, according to the message that the Holy Spirit gave Paul here, because of creation. Now, it's very interesting here that Paul uses this word divine nature, okay, and it's the only time this word divine nature is used in the New Testament. It's a very, very interesting word. Uh, let me just read this here. It says, what may be known about God is called God's invisible qualities or his eternal power and his divine nature. Since God is a spirit and God seeks those to worship him in spirit and truth, John 4, verse 24, all his qualities are invisible to the physical eye and can only be understood by the human mind as it is reflected by what's been made, or creation. That is God's creative work. God is the creator of all things. And since he's the creator of all creation, his invisible attributes can be clearly slain. Paul has an intended play on the words between the noun translated invisible qualities and the verb translated clearly seen, they both share the common Greek root. Both the verb clearly seen and the participle being understood are in the present tense, which emphasizes the continuous nature of the action. This word divine nature occurs only here in the New Testament. Creation, which people see, reveals God's unseen character and is all-powerful deity. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Now, let me just simplify this. Um, what you need to do to really ramp up your faith, jumpstart your faith, to service your faith, to take you to the next level, hallelujah, is not necessarily to go to a next conference um, or get buy the next book that appears in a Christian book or to watch the next TV episode, you know, um, on a Christian TV program. I'm really thinking we need to get back to the basics. And the way God reveals himself to us, hallelujah, is through creation. And we see a great movement in the left spectrum of politics, the leftist, humanistic, secular, God-hating side, okay? We see people worshiping creation rather than the creator. They love Mother Earth, okay, rather than worshiping Father God. Do you see where I'm going with this? So let's read Psalms 19, Psalms of David. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. 
their words to the end of the world. In them he have set a tabernacle for the son, which is as a bridegroom coming out of this chamber and rejoices of a strong man to run a race. Woo! He is going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So what David is explaining here is that God's handiwork Okay, declares his glory. It speaks out the message of who God is. And this word here, his divine nature is clearly understood. Now, um, as you, those of you have been really, really encouraged to see so many people enjoying uh, a series of emails that we did called Combating Weariness um, about two months ago. And if you haven't read them, you can go to our early morning manna, flashfloods.com and go to early morning manna. You can read those archives in the blog page there. And what's interesting is that uh, people really catching um, the message to get physically in shape, to eat right, and to service the earth suit, hallelujah, glory to God, so they can run the race faster and not be debilitated by problems through um, wrong diet and lack of exercise and overeating and obesity, amen? And so I'm encouraged to hear all every people's reports. And uh, so in my uh, practice of getting up early in the morning, worshiping God, and uh, I'm really fortunate to live in a, a land bridge, which in any, just a few minutes away, I can be at the Mediterranean Ocean, or I can be north uh, in the hill country, or I can be south in the barren uh, desert area as these three land masses, continents converge and combine right here in Israel. And lately I've been going down to the shoreline and worshiping God early in the morning. And just, uh, just give you an example, it's, sometimes it's just so flat, you go water skiing there. And it's just so flat, and it's so beautiful, and it's so awesome. And the waves coming in are about an inch high. It's just absolutely breathtaking to come down there in a deserted place and, and to uh, worship the Lord. Uh, then there's other times, like happened this week, I, I came in and I noticed that the the ocean was very flat, but I noticed as I walked onto the beach area, there was this debris littered way, way up, higher than the normal high tide comes in. And I was a little bit frightened, as though I thought like a mini tsunami had come in or something. And I said, where did all this debris come from? There was no storm here in Israel last week. What happened? And then I remembered hearing that on the other end of the Mediterranean Okay, the western end in Spain and France last week where these 100-mile-hour gale winds had come in and caused a lot of damage, uh, a lot of infrastructure damage in France. Uh, but that storm never came here. But the amount of the waves, its energy did not dissipate as it traveled past Corsica, past, uh, come on now, <laughs> past Italy, Sicily, North Africa, past the Aegean Isles, all the way to hit up along the shoreline of Israel. I was amazed at the power and the suddenness of the ocean and how fast it can change from around the world climatic situations happening, such as a storm hundreds of, excuse me, thousands of miles away. And so yesterday I went back to the beach to pray early in the morning and I was just dumbfounded. The most gorgeous thunderheads were rolling in. And you can see the waves and, and the wind began to pick up. And the waves started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
and I just felt like a little speck, okay, <laughs> in a hurricane, even though it was not hurricane-force winds yet. It was just an incredible storm that blew in yesterday from going total quietness and peacefulness and postcard beauty to absolute terror and raging of the ocean. Even the surfers weren't out. The young Israeli kids weren't out because it was so rough. And what I'm trying to get to you is that this is what astounds people. This is what Jesus used at the Sea of Galilee, this type of storm activity, to cause even his disciples to be astounded and say, who is this man who caused even the winds and the waves to be still? And that's what we're trying to explain to you in today's um, podcast, brothers and sisters. God's attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, it's clearly understood by, by creation. And so one thing you can do if you're listening in Canada and it's super cold outside, um, if you're in another part of the world listening, begin to try to find a place that you can feed, you can listen, you can smell, hallelujah, you can park yourself somewhere to see the beauty of God's creation, hallelujah, to see his invisible attributes, to to. Drink in how powerful he is, hallelujah, and use that to give thanks to him. Now, the problem is a lot of people are into nature and into beautiful scenery and spend thousands of dollars of vacation in these places and do these things. But this is where they go off. And verse 21 is where it happens. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened professing to be wise, they became fools. And I began to think to myself, wow, that's exactly what's going on. There's so many people that are wanting to be green now and to recycle, nothing wrong with that, but people getting into Mother Earth and they're rush worshiping creation more than the creator. There's people that love their dog and their cat more than they own their own offspring. There's people out there that'll treat a wounded bird in the highway nicer than they'll treat their neighbors, okay? And there's people that are over-effectuated with creation, okay? There's people that are looking for outdoor retreat centers, okay, to go escape, okay? They're going and buying all the backpacking equipment they can find on L.L. Bean or something, and they're going just to try to get away from from the uh, busyness of urban and even suburban lifestyle. And what are they looking for? Uh, it's not just looking for peace and quiet, not just to get away into the beauty of creation. They actually are inside, they're hungry to know what's their purpose on earth. Why was I created? And creation is that first door that signifies to them, hallelujah, that they are part of a greater scheme that's greater than themselves, and there is an intelligence, there is a creator that's bigger than, that has ordained their path, and he commands obedience to, to his written word. He commands obedience to listen to his prophets. He commands obedience to listen to his final word in the earth, which is his son. And so people are without excuse in this hour, brothers and sisters. Their line has gone out, it says in Romans. Their voice has been heard in the off. There is no longer an excuse. God is no longer winking at men's sins. People are being challenged by the ferocity of creation. And either they're going to praise him or they're going to curse him. And I don't want to be those that fall into a place of disrespect and no longer honor God. It says in verse 21, let's conclude with this, they did no, no longer honored him or gave thanks. So we see that there's people out there, whether it be no matter what religion, okay, no matter if they call themselves atheists or agnostic, whatever, nobody is a true atheist. Nobody 
Okay, nobody says there is not a God. People are in denial. They know deep within their heart of hearts that there is a creator. Okay? And what happens where people begin to backslide, where people begin to fall away, where people that have had a knowledge of God no longer desire to serve him, when people are living holy for him, but then decide to become adulteresses and live in the world system. What is that trigger point? What is the beginning? People do not backslide overnight. If you're suffering with family members, children or spouses or loved ones or ministers or people you know who have had a form of godliness and have loved God and have served him and, and but solely began to backslide and now left the faith. Why did it happen? Well, the mystery is right here. It says in verse 1, they no longer honored him. They no longer glorified him and they no longer gave thanks. And this is where we need to be really careful. Are we seeking Abba, his hand, because he can do things for us? Or are we seeking his face? That's the perplexing thing. He commands us to seek his face, yet no man can see his face and live. That's right. We're going to seek his face to know him and we're going to dissolve. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. But if you're seeking just his hand of blessings, okay, it's like a kid always coming to you and asking for money, asking for something, but never really want to just hang out and just listen and get to know you better as a parent. Uh, brothers and sisters, how do you think God feels about all this? Look at all the adulterous. Look at just read the book of Jeremiah. Look at the adulterous ways of his chosen people, Israel and Judah, where, where they have gone. And how he used to send the prophets rising up early every morning, Jeremiah 7, and they refused to listen. They just stiffened their neck even more. And in spite of pronouncing judgment on them, he still has a redemptive message to come back. Brothers and sisters, we're in that hour right now that only it's going to wake up a gospel-hardened Western civilization right now is a message, okay, of God's divine attributes, creation, displaying the power of God, hallelujah, scaring the snot out of people. Think about that. And that's going to spread worldwide. And I see what's happening in the book of Revelation is actually a manifestation of this. Now, you and I, we have something we have to do. We have to get back to the point that we're giving thanks. We're not giving thanks because we're just doing spiritual warfare. I'm very familiar. Not too long ago, I was at that pass over here where the wilderness of Tekoa in the Judean wilderness, where Jehoshaphat told the people in Second Chronicles 20 to send out the praisers, giving thanks, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing and shouting, Rina, the screaming cries of joy that God sent ambushments against the sons of Ammon, against the terrorist enemies that were coming to destroy uh, Jerusalem. I understand that. See, so I want you not to get caught up in the thinking that you truly are giving thanks to God when we could be just giving thanks for a different purpose. Let's really let the Word of God cut us open. Okay, I began to recognize the last 15 years that a lot of the songs we sing, um, we sing about His presence, we sing about uh, His love, we sing about what He's done for me, and they're nice folkish songs, but they're really they're, they're more praise songs than they are worship songs. They're more outer court than they are inner court. Because if we allowed the inner court songs to take over, most of the people would leave because the light's too bright and they don't want to be intimate with God. And uh, the churches couldn't maintain their, their big overheads because they couldn't keep a tithing base of people. And so they have more entertainment. They have more folky type songs, you know, and to make the people feel good. And really, I mean, I'm not here to, to lamb blast that. 
in one sense. I want you to wake up and hear what I'm saying. That are we singing to him or are we singing about him? And there gets a nice melody going. Get a lot of believers worshiping. You can feel a maintenance presence of God come in as people, because they're at a lot of different levels of spiritual growth, are crying out to God for him to help them. And they're getting to know him as let the rain fall, let the winds blow, and all these nice metaphors of who he is. But are we really singing about him or are we singing to him? Because when you sing to him, Hallelujah. You're entering into a place of spirit and truth. You're into a place of giving thanks to him, not for what he has done or what he's going to do, but for who he is. You are simply glorifying him. Hallelujah. The same way the waves roll on the shoreline. Hallelujah. Or the trees lift their hands and clap. Okay, all creation is worshiping him. They do not have their own will. They are worshiping him according to the majesty of the pre-designed plan of the creator. But there is one species, Homo sapien, you and I, who has been given a will. And in that will, we have a decision to give thanks and honor him or to seek our own selfish means. And so we need to come out of the place of just singing about him singing nice songs describing who he is and what he's done for me and what he can do, okay, and about revival and all these things, and go to the place that we're literally worshiping him and giving thanks to him. And if we can maintain that sweet spot of intimacy where the reason we're getting up in the morning and praying, the reason we're doing service unto him, the reason we're helping other people comes back to the point because we were made to praise him, to thank him, to worship him, to honor him, and everything else is meaningless. Hallelujah. And we stay in that zone. Hallelujah. Oh, the joy. Glory to God. Oh, the fortitude that comes. Oh, the incredible pleasures of heaven and the secrets and the mysteries that are revealed to you and this provision that comes in. But you're not even doing it because of those things. You're doing it because that's what you're created for in God's preordained pattern. However, if we do not maintain that place and we find ourselves always defaulting to praying and worshiping because we want to do spiritual warfare against something or we want to try to convince God to give something to us, okay? It could be that we come to a point that we no longer are truly giving thanks and we become foolish in our speculations and where our hearts become darkened. In verse 22, we become fools and then we began to come to a place that we no longer are truly worshiping God. And it says in verse 24, this is why you see the rise of homosexuality, lesbianism, and all unclean sexual acts happening like never before in our culture. Okay? It's verse 24 says, because they no longer acknowledge God, God gave them over. So we see here, God gives people over to an unclean spirit. And if that is true, how about the other end of it? God will give you over, hallelujah, to his Holy Spirit, to full possession, if you'll just worship him for who he is, hallelujah, and just lift up a sacrifice of praise continually and worship and glorify him. And we can sidestep this great dome of darkness coming, this delusion that's coming. But right now we see it. We see God is giving people over to the Spirit. He's giving them over and the purpose of them giving them over is because they no longer honored him, no longer give thanks. Brothers and sisters, he's the judge. I encourage you to read Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 together 
and to understand the process that's happening right now as we see all these things going on in Israel and the Middle East and wars and rumors of wars. And we're right here in the middle of it to report it to you and let you know behind the scenes what's going on. Let's make sure that we keep our faith fired up. Let's stay in our first love, okay? You know, we're not loving him because what he's done for us or what he can do for us. We're loving him because we have aligned ourselves with his eternal purpose. This is what we are created for, is to worship him, is to love him. Glory to God. And that way we keep ourselves from being given over to this delusion that's coming on the earth in this hour. And brothers and sisters, it's been great sharing this with you. I'm going to quickly go and worship him and spend some time with him. Stay tuned. Let us know how these podcasts are feeding your faith. And don't forget also that we um, are preparing just like, you know, the illustration like Noah. Uh, it had never rained before on the earth. And God told Noah, hey, the flood's coming and build an ark. And he moved in faith and fear and did it. And uh, I know by reading the scriptures and what the Holy Spirit says to me is that there's coming a great awakening. There's coming a revival. Hallelujah. There's coming a great harvest in this region of the world. And uh, we need to build out an ark to train up the leaders and the workers for that. A facility, we're raising a 1.3 million, glory to God. Um, and God can do it. And he's looking for people that are willing to have a willing heart that want to give into this. So please visit our website or email me at sh at flashfloods.com and I can give you some more directions on how you can sow into this. No gift is too small. Brothers and sisters, let's move quickly. Um, the, the night is coming when no man can work. Talk to you real soon. Shalom, shalom. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. 
Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.